Today is September 25th, 2009. I'm in Vancouver on a sunny day. It's still sunny. And I'm sitting with Darlene Gage. And once again, I'm excited to meet uh, somebody that has served overseas, but even more excited because, Darlene, you served in my home country of Uganda. Mm -hmm. So welcome back. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. When did you uh, leave for Uganda? Uh, we left in 2007 and returned in 2009, so two-year placement. And did you go alone? I went with my uh, partner, my husband, um, and he also was a VSO volunteer uh, in Uganda at the time, and um, we served in the same town called Fort Portal, Uganda, which is just on the Congo border. What's his name? His name is Jean Domingue. Jean Domingue. Okay. Mm. Um, Fort Portal, uh, when I think about it, Mountains of the Moon. Yes, that's right. Good for you. And uh, just this wonderful place. What's Fort Portal like now? Oh, it's quite a bustling town, actually. There's a university there. There's a number of different restaurants and hotels, sort of largish, um, fairly new and fancy, ritzy hotels that have opened up there. It's actually quite a going concern. There's so much... Um, tourism potential in that area. There's chimpanzees in Chibali Forest just next door. It's within an hour drive of Queen Elizabeth Park where you can see elephants and tigers and lions and uh, just incredible amounts of wildlife going on there. So really, and there's like volcanoes and and shoebill storks that are quite an endangered species and uh, it's really also the gateways for when you want to head down south in Uganda to see the gorillas a lot of people really stop in Fort Portal, so the tourism industry is, is booming, which makes it great for a volunteer to be there because you're working in, it's still a very poor area, you're working often in villages um, and with very poor communities, but at the same time on your off time, you can go to a restaurant and get a hamburger. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what made you, Darlene, decide to volunteer? What was your exper expertise and, and what was Jean? Jacques? Jean. Jean. Yeah. I keep saying that He's wrong. French, yes. Jean's expertise. <laughs> well, Jean is um, a carpenter and a builder. Uh, a hand, he's been a handyman for 25 years, so he's kind of an all-around fix-it, build-it kind of guy, um, which is generally not the kind of skills that uh, QSO VSO was looking for, but they, um, there was a particular project on the ground that he seemed to fit for uh, in that way that was really hands-on construction and, and helping others to learn construction skills. Um, myself, I've been working in the nonprofit sector for over 25 years in peace and environment and social justice work. So I was really able to bring my experience with nonprofits here in Canada to Uganda to help a, a, an NGO there to get stronger as an organization. So systems and policies and board development. Um, but I also have a background in conflict resolution and oh. mediation skills and counseling and things of that nature. So specifically, the group I was working with did. Uh, peaceful conflict re resolution in their communities. So they both needed to get stronger as an organization in terms of how they functioned, but they also wanted to learn new skills and new approaches in conflict resolution. So I was able to bring some hands-on direct training to those organizations uh, in mediation and conflict resolution skills, mostly in communities. What's the name of the partner organization? Uh, it's called the Renzori Forum for Peace and Justice. And it's a network organization, so it's kind of, um, in a way, an apex group. Uh, and there are about 15 members, smaller NGOs scattered across the region, the Renzori region of Uganda, that are then members of this network organization. 
And the job of the network is to help those smaller NGOs get stronger. Uh, so the reach is further. So the expertise that you help to share mm. uh, would then be multiplied. Exactly, which was part of what made me very happy. Um, uh, to be able to, to have many different organizations that I was working with, many of whom, uh, uh, when I left, uh, were really telling me how much they'd grown and been able to expand Aww. their work, and get access to funding and different kinds of things, through, not just through me, but through the work of the network. So I was strengthening the network in particular, but also working with these smaller NGOs on the ground, Fantastic. mostly with the conflict resolution training type of work. And I saw a presentation that you did in Nanaimo, and Jean left uh, Uganda and I saw there was a building that yeah, was built. Yeah. What was that building for? I can't remember. Oh, well, it's actually a qu a quite a large building and it's a, what they what he would call a drying and processing unit. Oh, right. And what they do, um, he worked for the Toro Botanical Gardens, oh. which is a conservation organization conserving the natural plant species of the um, Albertine Rift Valley in Uganda. Many of those plants are used for medicinal purposes. Um, in particular, um, they, so they take these plants, grow them at the, at the conservation site, at the botanical gardens, to make sure that these species are preserved because the area is being deforested at quite an extensive rate. Oh my goodness. Yeah, for fuel. So, so the building was completed? The building was completed and they um, are now processing medicinal plants and herbs through that building and they're also packaging them and selling them to pharmacies and different organizations across Uganda. And, and they're trying to uh, reach out to South Africa and different kinds of markets for things like cooking spices as well oh, as medicinal, wow. medicinal plants and herbs. A lot of the, of the work that they're doing is with Artemisia, which is a malaria prevention oh. plant. Artemisia. That, yeah, that you take as a tea and it helps you prevent uh, malaria. And we ended up taking that as our malaria prevention, although... Did you get malaria? Yeah, I got malaria. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Once? Once, yeah. Yeah. That was no fun. It's no fun. No. I've had it twice. Really? No. It's, uh, it knocks you down, especially if you're not used to it. I think for my um, friends and colleagues in Uganda, they've been getting malaria since they were children. So it's a... In it's a like way, a flu. They kind of treat it like the flu, which yeah. is mm, not necessarily the smartest thing because it can still take you down and, and kill you if you're yeah. not really careful with it. Yeah. But I don't have that kind of immunity built up, so it really it did knock me down. Sheesh. Yeah. And did Jean get it too? He didn't. He's healthy as a horse. Wow. Mm -hmm. Were you both sleeping under mosquito nets? Yeah, every, religiously. It was, you just don't You just got it. You just got bitten on a freak. Did you know? Yeah, I mean, you get bitten quite oh, a you bit. Oh, just, you just get bitten anyway. I mean, we were covering ourselves in mosquito repellent, but they'll sneak in somehow. Wow. Mm -hmm. And did, were you in a hospital when you got malaria? How did No, how did I, that? I, was, I was treated at home. Okay. Yeah, and the doctor came to, actually came to our house and took care of me there and gave me the medication right away and started in and checked in on us. And so the health care was, was perfect. I didn't have any complaints about the kind of... And I was sick in different other kinds of ways, E. coli and various bacteria and amoebas and stuff. And always had really good access to good health care. Okay. Yeah. And that's part of serving with QSOVSO is that you get, you're, you're quite comfortable with the fact that if anything happens, you're taking mm -hmm. care. Absolutely. I never had any um, nervousness about that. I knew okay. even at the orientation in Ottawa, really strong medical information to prepare us as well as possible. And, uh, and then in country, uh, absolutely great medical. So you, you have been back, um, no, I just want to go back to your experience. Mm. 
if there was one thing, and I'm sure everybody asks you to encapsulate, sure, and I sure. will as well. No, it's okay. If there was one thing that Darlene comes back to Canada with, mm. what's that? Well, it's such a deep experience in a way, and I'm still trying to process exactly what that change is. I mean, of course, I think a lot of people talk about the consumerism here compared to there, and how they look at it through a different lens now that they've returned. To be honest, I kind of had that before I left because I've been working in social change most of my life. So mm. I, I've been trying to live more simply in my own life for a very long time. So it's kind of hard to say. I actually think that in a way, the part about myself that I'm notice about myself that I'm noticing the most is that I'm more relaxed. I seem to be more confident and less stressed out by smaller things. Somehow I have a more global perspective on myself. Yeah, <laughs> that's just wonderful. Okay, I would I would imagine that could that would happen because when I, as you know, I was born in Uganda, yes. left when I was fifteen, so I hadn't been back for thirty six years. Mm. And when I went back, I was like tuning right down. Yes, and it really <laughs> helped me when I came back to Canada because it reminded me that that was even possible. It's possible. It's possible, and that there are, and that there are so much much there's so much complexity in the world. And by stressing out about it is not necessarily going to be helpful. Mm. I mean, I would literally be in Uganda in the middle of organizing like a large uh, national meeting of some kind with big important people coming. And they wouldn't come for, you know, we would plan to start at 9, they wouldn't show up until 11, 12 o'clock. And for me, these are like, you know, stress points that would be driving me wild back in Canada. There, of course, time is more flexible. Um, but it wasn't just about the time being more flexible. It was more the attitude that they brought to yeah. it. It's like, you're, we're all still going to be here. We're all still going to talk about the important issues we need to talk about. And we're going to get our work done. But I had these other things to take care of, so I couldn't show up until 11 o'clock. And it's still okay. The world doesn't fall apart. And it was just a really neat thing. And I think I've kind of got in my bones a bit now. And I really want to keep that. But of course, on a political perspective, I can't help but see in that bigger picture... When people talk about the world, you know, the, the <laughs> sustainable development or, or global climate change and how we're going to change it through technology and we're going to do this and that. And I, I can't help but immediately, just in, even in my own brain sometimes, put it in the context of most people in the world not even having access to a phone, much less internet or, you know, climate change. People, the fact that in North America we need to live so, we need to learn to live more simply. In Uganda... People are living more simply. They're just doing that because that's life there. And so, you know, the, the, us needing to learn so much more about how to live, how, from them, how to live in a way that is not going to kill the planet. I think they know that a lot better than we do, don't they? Absolutely. No question. When we send volunteers on this, you know, on this work of development... Often volunteers think that we are trying to make countries like Uganda like to be countries like Canada. Yeah, yeah. Is that the case in your example of your placement? Well, it was such an, you know, just even in terms of how an NGO is run. So this is me trying to advise and support and coach and mentor people within this NGO about good practice. So for sure I'm trying to bring, and I just am naturally bringing, systems and approaches that I was familiar with in Canada into that context. And often seeing that 
this isn't going to work here. This ah. isn't going to actually, you know, you can't, I mean, even just what we consider simple communications here. Oh, you want to hold an event or a meeting, you send out an email to your volunteers and you get them to, you can't send emails to people there. You need to phone them. You need to physically go to their home and talk to them and invite them to come. You can't, it's, a, it's, it's just simple things like that that you really have to wrap your brain around. And in a way, are often better. I mean, it provi it provides. I mean, email is such an impersonal, distant, light, almost lifeless form of communication. There, you're with people face to face. You're sitting down for a cup of tea in their home. You're meeting by the side of the road, and you're taking your time with each other. And actually, so it's so that's on the personal level. But you know, on that bigger picture, I don't actually think that many of our systems here necessarily work. So the idea of trying to translate our way into that context, why would I want to teach people to be isolated from each other and lonely and uh, abusing the resources of the world in such an intense way that we've brought the plant to sort of the brink of destruction and no family, very few family ties that we have here and that we've lost touch with our extended families and those kinds of ideas. Oh, yeah. You know? So Darlene, when you when I go back and I think about your placement and I think, okay, you have a total understanding of it's not about transferring methods. Mm. What about the skills part, mm -hmm. which is what you went to share? What skills do you think that somebody in Fort Portal would all of a sudden a bell go off and go, yeah? Darlene taught me that, mm, or mm. Darlene, or I taught Darlene that, but, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, Darlene taught me something like that. Mm, mm -hmm. What would be one of those skills you shared? Well, honestly, the part that I, that really um, feels close to my heart, that I feel a bit proud of, really, mm -hmm. and I struggled w about whether to introduce this method there. It's a thing called peacemaking circles, oh. and it's First Nations based from North America. So First Nations communities here have often and traditionally have sit in circles to discuss community issues and resolve conflicts or resolve de uh, you know, debate issues that are going on in the community, and they make decisions together in a circle format. Now, it tends to, and the way it's being used today is more of an egalitarian type of format. And honestly, within, you, within the African context, things tend to be a little bit more hierarchical. That's yes. changing, but there's definitely the head man, yeah. and it's always a man, or at least traditionally has been a man, um, who leads things and people follow what the head man says. So trying to introduce a more equal playing field way of people coming together, listening to each other in a circle format, because the circle format allows for each person to participate equally, uh, and now there's a facilitator of the circle, but there's not a leader of the circle. And you choose a sacred object that's something that means something to that particular community. And when you are holding that sacred object, it is your turn to speak, and no one else in the or in the in the circle can speak can speak at the time that you are holding this. Like a to like a, a talking, talking piece, stick. Talking stick, exactly. Except the group itself chooses the object, and so in Uganda, often they would use something like an elder's walking stick or um, a gourd for water. So they would go through a process of choosing a, a sacred object that meant something to everyone in the room, and something, an, an object that everyone respected. Now this I find totally fascinating. Yeah, that yeah. You, you have a First Nations um, um, method yeah. of 
collaboration yes. that you, Darlene, have helped to introduce into this community. Yeah. And I saw photographs of it, oh, of yes. you doing that. Right. And my goodness, I, I would just have to say, in conclusion, if I ever was uh, in a conflict a conflict situation, I sure would have would love to have that skill. Mm. I think that it's a valuable skill, mm. and for for Uganda that has had so much conflict, so much, yeah, that really dealt deep, digs deep into the heart of how change and sharing a skill mm -hmm. can make a difference. Well, and people are telling me uh, through email on a daily basis. Not, well, daily is kind of a stretch. On at least a weekly basis, I'm getting text messages and uh, emails from colleagues back in Uganda telling me about how they're using this process. Mm -hmm. They're bringing local politicians together. They're bringing local religious leaders together and other people in the community to discuss really, really important issues that otherwise these people would not be at the table with because too much they've come together and have just fought. This process allows for everyone to be heard equally, and it's also, it's not so much about the debate as it is about the listening. So they're sharing their perspective on things, and it seems to be very successful, and people are saying, wow, thank you so much for introducing this concept. And I have to say, I did struggle with the idea of transferring, as you say, this First Nations in North American uh, approach in a Ugandan context, but th what they're telling me now is that it really feels natural, and it feels, um, Organic in a way for them that uh, that makes me that reassures me that it was the right decision. Wow! It's always a bit of a risk that way, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. I'd love to see more of our First Nations communities also. Mm. I mean, if that to uh, themselves transfer that skill mm. because they have such a history with it. Absolutely. Uh, no, I can only bring more technique, and they can bring more of the feeling and the, the spirit of the it. The spirit all. of it. I tried, but I'm sure you be did better. just fine. <laughs> it obviously made a difference. And for Jean, uh, I'd like to thank both of you for mm. your service in the field, for your service in Uganda, uh, for the, the building he helped put together, mm -hmm. for the circles that hopefully will heal mm. parts of the challenges. Darlene, thank, thank you. you for your service. Thanks for the opportunity. It changed both of our lives, and we feel incredibly grateful for the opportunity. And now Darlene's going to be helping us with uh, the 50th website. Yeah. So. You know, the journey continues. Great. <laughs> I look forward to it. Thanks, Darlene. Thanks.